I thought the food was really good. That sweet bread that came in the little pan yes, was delicious. The there, there may or may not be a pan still hiding in my luggage. I'm just putting that out there. There may or may not oh be. Oh, my God. Uh, people use our voicemail line to call in and chastise my wife for taking things off the ship. It's unnecessary. What are we going to do with the pan? <laughs> everybody to this week's episode of the dcl duo podcast brought to you by my path unwinding travel and sam you are comfortably ensconced in your green room today in a somewhat sunny seattle although cooling off yeah well and funny enough we as we were talking just before we started recording as our guest found out my green room is not actually green (laughs) Spoiler. <laughs> it's, it's painted a rather unremarkable uh, shade of beige, I believe, or maybe a taupe of some sort. I'm not sure. It's yes. beige. <laughs> it's definitely beige. Like most of our house, it's we have some parts of our house are gray. This room is decidedly a boring color of, of beige. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very, very 1980s retro mid-century modern that would describe our house. So, yes. Sorry, uh, sorry to disappoint <laughs> for those of you who are hoping that I, when I, when we refer to the green room, that I actually sit in a green room, but. <laughs> you know, I have to now go back you, now and look, I, I need to go back and look at what the history of green room is. Uh, I'm a little worried I might uncover that there's something offensive about it, but uh, <laughs> uh, it seems to be the case these days. Uh, but I want to go back and look at it because most green rooms aren't painted green. Uh, I've, I've, you know, I've seen the backstage stuff, so. You know, I know, but now uh, I feel like now I feel like when when we actually do some work to our house, which we're planning at some point in the future, I kind of feel like I we need to find the right shade of green and actually paint this guest room green. Certainly something to discuss with our architect and interior <laughs> designer. Well, we're taking up way too much precious time on a show that we're excited to do about a very amazing cruise. And so let me start by welcoming back to our show, Ashley. Welcome, Ashley. Well, thank you so much for having me back. Yeah, thanks for coming back. We always wonder if people like us. And so when they come back, we're like, whew, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so much fun to talk to you guys and, and you know, just relive the memories of our trip. So it's kind of like a, a nice way for me to talk to my kids about the trip and just remember all the great time we had together, which is what a vacation is about. Yes, for yes. sure. Well, and we were desperately wanting someone to come on and talk to us about this amazing itinerary, an 11-night Icelandic adventure, I would say. And so uh, really excited to talk to you about it. But before we do, we always like to have our guests remind folks of their Disney cruising background. So Ashley, you want to recap your uh, you and your family's background with Disney Cruise Line? Uh, yeah. So the people who usually travel with me are my husband and our two boys, uh, 10 and seven years old. We are pretty new to Disney Cruise Line. We started our first sailing this past January for our 10-year-old's birthday celebration and a kind of a dry run to make sure the boys would enjoy cruising before we went on this very big bucket list adventure. We are more of a Disney Parks family, but now that we've started Disney cruising, I don't know if we're going to be able to go back as often <laughs> to the parks compared to the cruising. Oh, awesome. Now, your first your first cruise earlier this year, what itinerary did you do as your I'll call it your test run into cruising? We just did a three night on the dream out of Port Canaveral. It was just over uh, Martin Luther King weekend, just, you know, the kids school schedules. And it was just a fabulous trip. But going from three nights to 11 nights is a big jump. And I definitely prefer the 11 nights compared to the three nights. (laughs) Well, I know we had you on for international travel planning with kids. And so your kids are well versed in, I think, going overseas at this point. (laughs) And so 
how was the trip for them from the standpoint of the travel and the time zone changes and the flights? How did they how did they fare? Uh, you know, they've been traveling since they were little. So I think that helps that they knew what to expect for airports. And unfortunately, in the year that we are, delays. I think going, we went through Toronto and I now am very familiar with the word uh, delay in French. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, we were, everything was delayed, delayed, delayed. Uh, for example, I, like we talked about in my show that we live in Iowa, so we do not have the direct flights to uh, international loca- locale. So we had to go through Chicago, then to Toronto, and then finally off to our final destination of Copenhagen. And as we were leaving Des Moines, that was that flight from Chicago to Toronto was already, I could tell, going to be delayed. So we had to hustle, hustle, hustle. And we got off the plane to the airport desk and say, I see another flight. Can we jump on this? The kids graciously waited, did not ask questions, and they were rewarded with the United first class experience as well as lounge with cookies. So that helped kind of <laughs> very nice. keep them at bay and extra iPad time. And unfortunately, when we were in Toronto, when we got there, everything was closed. So the there wasn't a lot of dining options. So luckily for us, since we were having the lie down seats, the kids were able to have a quick bag of chips and then off to sleep. So that having that good night's sleep really helped us hit the ground hard in Copenhagen for our couple of days prior to our cruise embarkation. And and how long did it take for ask them and you? How long did it take to adjust to the time zone? And did you did you build in a buffer from you know, did you spend some time in Copenhagen before to try and adjust a little bit? We had, with a delay, unfortunately, our two days turned into about a day and a half. And the kids, we tried to get them to be on schedule as quickly as we could. We had a, a watch that we have on our, like a travel watch that has our home time as well as where we're going to time. So when we were on the plane, it's like, okay, guys, it is now eight o'clock in Copenhagen. We have to wake up. We have to get breakfast. We need to eat something. So when we landed, we're kind of already starting our day. And we were able to get to the airport pretty quickly, got checked into our hotel, did a little sight touring, and then had them swim. That keeps them up a little bit later. And then we just had a little bit early for bedtime, but same next morning, up and at them, they were ready to go. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Get onto local time as quickly as you possibly can. It is definitely will make for a hard first day, but it will make your, I think, enjoyment of your trip so much better, you know, on day two or three. And if you if you sort of wait, you drag it out and it's going to really hit you badly, probably in the middle of your trip. And Copenhagen has so many walkable features and things to go to and Tivoli Gardens. I mean, who doesn't want to go on a roller coaster? That's so easy to stay awake when you're going on all these attractions and amazing adventures with the, the flying uh, rides. We've got a shooting arcade water ride, the mountain. The, you could totally tell that Walt Disney inspired uh, Matterhorn after. It was so much fun that the kids were just like, oh, I'm not tired. Let's keep going. Let's go on this another ride, mom. So Ashley, I'm curious, how did you plan out your pre-cruise activities, hotels, things like that. You know, we've heard different strategies, everything from folks looking to, you know, who does Adventures by Disney use to just kind of, you know, trekking out on their own and and all kinds of different resources out there. But how did you plan your pre-cruise time in Copenhagen? Um, We did take a lot of inspiration from Adventures by Disney and we were using Disney transportation to get to the port. So we also needed to stay at a hotel that Disney would pick us up from. So that narrowed it down to two different hotels. Then we looked at where in the city center it was located. So we picked the Tivoli Gardens um, because it was close to the canal as well as not too far from the train station because Copenhagen has wonderful public transit. We were able to get the Copenhagen card and go around town 
easily by foot or by train. Nice. What what other things did you decide to do, if any, in, in Copenhagen? Was it really just Tivoli Gardens because that's all you had time for? Or did you do some other things? Um, we also uh, walked over to the Little Mermaid statue. Uh, we went to the Rosenborg Castle to look at the crown jewels and get some history. My family and my husband's family are from the Denmark region. So it's kind of cool to show our kids, you know, this is where our ancestors are from. As well as we went, uh, as we were walking to Tivoli, we saw the round tower. But we tried to just to the Tivoli Gardens as a big reward for the kids of all their hard work of staying awake and walking without really complaining. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Now, I, I I haven't been to Copenhagen myself, but I am under the impression that it is a relatively safe and clean city. Oh, we enjoyed Copenhagen so much. Uh, we really would like to go back and explore the city further, as well as other parts of Denmark, maybe going to the original Lego house for the kids and, and myself, um, as well as explore the coastline. And it was just wonderful. There are so many bikes. When you think of Copenhagen, you think of bicycling, but I was surprised in actuality how heavy bike traffic was. There was more bikes than cars. Oh, wow. And I felt like I'm I'm awful with directions. You can put me in a cornfield and I am lost. <laughs> I was able to kind of get my bearings pretty quickly in this town and could figure out, oh, yeah, we need to go this way to get to Lindy, oh, the Lindy shop or this way to get to the train. It was pretty easy and well marked. So we've talked about you getting there, but I want to step back into the pre-planning process for a second. Two questions I have. One, how did you decide on this cruise, the 11 night Iceland cruise? Two, how was it packing for this cruise? Was it was that at all challenging? I don't know how variable the weather was <laughs> or what you had to plan for in terms of excursions, but curious how you landed on the cruise and how you went about packing for the cruise. Well, we had a, a quite a few vacations on Disney Cruise Line canceled because of the pandemic. So we kept getting a little bit longer of a stay. So we went from like a four night to a seven night Eastern Caribbean and then to an Alaskan and that got canceled. So we finally, I said to my husband jokingly, oh my gosh, if this Alaska gets canceled, I want to go to Europe. I want to do Iceland. And sure enough, like two weeks later, that cruise canceled. And I said, honey, I'm pulling the trigger. We are going to Europe next year. We have a very healthy onboard credit. Let's just do it. And I'm so glad we did. It was a bucket list venture for sure. And I think with a bucket list, you're always worried about expectations versus reality. And this cruise hit every expectation. So we were, it was not something that we regret doing. I'm so happy that we did this cruise, especially with the children and have these memories with them. And as for packing, holy smokes, that is tough. I am more of a carry-on kind of a gal where if I don't have to check a bag, I'm not going to. And with all the difficulties that we saw this summer with lost baggage, I had many sleepless nights of how are we going to pack and get this? Because Copenhagen was in a heat wave, Iceland, we were going to be on a glacier. We have to go to the total, total, both sides of our closet, every single thing we need to bring and layers. So we have about one checked bag. Thank goodness for air tags to keep my mind sane during our traveling. And then we each had our own carry on. And I think we pretty much wore everything that we had. We definitely rewore a couple of outfits if we had to. I became very familiar with the laundry facilities on the magic, <laughs> but we made it and we did not have any trouble with our luggage at all. Nice. Well, we arrive at the day that you're going to board your cruise. Sounds like you took Disney transportation to the port. How was the port facility and boarding and, and all of that sort of stuff? Smooth and easy or any complications? Oh, it was so easy. Disney took care of us very well. The, the buses were a little late arriving to the hotel, which is understandable, but we were all 
They're waiting patiently to get on board. And once we got to the port, it was pretty much go through security right away, show us our negative COVID testing, and we can get right on the ship. Unfortunately, we did not get to go through the atrium. We went on to level one or two, I believe. So we did not get the whole grandeur of walking into the atrium and they didn't call our family name, which is kind of a lit down. But at the same time, we were so looking forward to the next 11 nights that it didn't matter. Well, that's a bummer, though. There are absolutely ways they could do that because we boarded one time not into the atrium and they just had us walk up a set of stairs and then get greeted by a cast member and announced into the atrium. So it's it's kind of like a hallmark of Disney. I'm surprised they didn't have a way to make that happen because they've done it before. And if they did, I totally missed it because I was so excited to get, you know, the muster station drill done and then go explore the new ship. Because this is our first time on a classic ship. So I wanted to see everything. Well, you get on board. Where do you head first? And I'm also curious, what kind of stateroom did you get for the sailing? Because it's a longer sailing. Uh, So at the beginning, when we first booked the cruise, we just decided to do an ocean view. Um, Just be like, you know what? Let's just get on the ship. We're happy to be on the ship. We'll be so port intensive. It's not really going to matter the stateroom that we have. And then getting closer, our Facebook group, someone mentioned, hey, I just saved a lot of money, guys, by doing a guaranteed status stateroom. So I looked at it and I said, wow, we could save a couple thousand dollars and get a veranda. So why not save money and get a nicer stateroom? So we were very fortunate um, when we got to our stateroom. I believe we, we had a 5A stateroom on deck seven. It was lovely. We wanted to look at the room as quickly as we could. Um, that wasn't ready yet. So we went to Cabana's. And by the time we were done with Cabana's, we were able to drop our luggage off, get into our swimsuits and hit the aqua dunk. Oh, awesome. Now, did you have to, because you had already booked your stateroom, did you have to cancel and rebook or were you able to just call and and just change the booking? Uh, Yes, we did have to cancel and then rebook. And we were very fortunate since we were silver. This is the only probably silver lining, I should say, of being silver was we had not booked any of the activities yet wasn't our opening our opening window yet for that. So we did not lose out on anything. You know, if we were a platinum cruiser, we could have lost out on the Apollos and any other mixology classes um, since we had to cancel and rebook. Right. If you rebook, you don't get to keep whatever reservations you have thus far made. So that makes sense. Yeah. Well, let's talk about where this cruise went for a second. So what port stops did you have on this cruise? Because it was 11 nights and I think there were a lot of stops. Yes. Um, the, this cruise itinerary, it was amazing. It had a, a really nice balance between sea days and port days. So we started off in Copenhagen, Denmark. We had a sea day. We went to Ailsund, Norway. Uh, then we had another sea day and we overnighted in Reykjavik, went straight off to Akure, Iceland, had a sea day, went to Kirkwall or the Orkney Islands in Scotland. Next um, evening, we were in Even Gordon or in Vaness, Scotland, and finished up with a day at sea before we disembarked in Dover, England. Wow. That's yeah, that's a lot of spots. But it was really nice to have a couple of uh, like a port day, then a day at sea. So you kind of got to have a little excitement and then rest your gears for the next port. Now, this this was your first time, you said, on obviously one of Disney's classic ships, you having been on the dream just earlier in the year. And what were your impressions of, you know, the the original ship, the OG, the Disney Magic? I thought she was lovely. She's in great shape. They've really done a wonderful job keeping her up to date. I really enjoyed the smaller ship. I felt like I could get her bearings really quickly around the ship, as well as you were never too far from anything, as well as Aqua Dunk is way better than Aqua Duck. 
It was so much fun. <laughs> Brian's with you on that. I am not with you on that one. <laughs> what? How was the, you know, before we dive into specifics around the ports, how was the weather overall on the, the cruise? We found, you know, some of our sailing to be uh, like, especially the first night in the North Sea, I think it was like a little choppy, uh, <laughs> a lot of movement on the ship. Weather was certainly not warm weather cruising. And so I'm just curious, you know, how you found the weather to be on a cruise, given your, especially given your first experience, I think was with a Caribbean cruise, if I recall. So how was it moving from warm weather to cooler weather cruising? Well, since we were in a heat wave this summer, it was kind of nice to get to some cooler temperatures. Uh, everywhere we went, the locals were, were kept remarking, gosh, you guys have brought, there's something about the Disney magic. Really, there's really magic about it because we finally see the sun when you guys are in port. It's actually a <laughs> nice day. This is our first day of summer, it feels like, while we were there. So overall, the weather was pretty great. We had about between the 50s and the 60s for most of the sea days. But our first day in Copenhagen, it was 80 in the 80s. So I've told the kids, this is our day to get in the pool. Now is the time to do it. I'm not sure if we're going to be able to get to it again. And we saw some brave souls during those 60 degree days in the pools, but that was not us. <laughs> well, remember those pools are heated. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll give a tip to everyone out there. The pools are heated and they're heated to a comfortable 75 degrees. So it was nice to be in the pool. Unfortunately, you couldn't have a drink anywhere near the pool. Which was part of the problem. Like people are like in the adult pool and then they'd get out and quickly down a drink and get back in the pool because it was, uh, it was too cold to be sitting there. Uh, so the, the heated pools are nice. I did see a couple on our Norway cruise who brought, wetsuits <laughs> were swimming in the pool in their wetsuits. And I thought that is a dedication to to swimming and being in the pool that I just I, I just don't have. Yeah, I thought being being in the pool, though, was fine. It was just once you got out of the pool, then you were freezing your butt off. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know that they needed the wetsuits. I just thought it was like a dedication to purpose there that they packed those things in to be able to swim in the pool. Maybe they brought them to be able to get into the, the colder water, too, that we were visiting. But anyway. Hey, let's dive into the first port stop because we overlapped uh, on this port stop, not same ship, same day, but we we visited there on our Norway cruise, which is Olesund. I'm curious, what did you think about uh, think about Olesund? It is such a beautiful, quaint town. We did wake up early to look at us coming in with the fjords, and I have most, so many pictures on our phones is just of the landscape, the the mountains, the greenery. It was just gorgeous, and seeing the sunrise is something that I will always take with us. I have a picture of the kids sleeping through it. I was like, guys, you got to wake up. And they just were not in the mood to wake up quite that early to see the beautiful sunrise over the Norwegian fjord. The port uh, was actually pretty industrial, but it wasn't anything that made us feel yucky or it was very well kept and clean. And the, the town was so easy to get to that it was like a two minute walk into the town center. Uh, there is that wonderful hilltop that you guys discussed. We did climb the 408 stairs to the top <laughs> of Fjolstup. I'm not even going to try to say like I pretended like I said that right. I think that's going to be our Christmas card. We had some great pictures of the fjord with the magic and the 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 background. I think that will be the head of our Christmas card this year. <laughs> and then uh, after we were done exploring the town, we had a private excursion that I found um, on Viator that was called the Fjord Tourist Kayak. And that was amazing. We went through the whole fjord. We went out into the harbor and into the North Sea for a little bit on our kayaks with the kids and had a town uh, tour of like the fishing and the cannery areas, as well as we learned that there was a fire many years ago that pretty much burnt down the entire town except for one or two buildings. And they the 
individual told us like the reason why they paint the house is so colorful there is because it's so gray, which was surprising because while we were there, it was nice and sunny. So we're like, what do you mean? This is gorgeous. I can live here. It's so beautiful. <laughs> we, we got the same info in our tour about that. Yeah. And we had a similar experience with the weather. We, we were being told some of our stops that like, oh, this is like one of the top seven days of the year that we have. So yeah, maybe there is something. Maybe Disney has found a way to control the weather. Yeah, not- that's why the magic's over there. It brings the magic. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Well, hopefully the dream will bring the same. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious when we're talking about Olesund and, and you'll get into your other port stops too, but for, for, for Olesund and I guess maybe your other port stops, what I liked was we would get off and we would have like a really full day in the port, you know, lots to do. The ports were small enough to walk around, experience the towns, even get a bite to eat, you know, at a lunch or something like that, which, you know, typically you're getting off, you're getting back on, you know, you're going to a beach excursion in the Caribbean, you get back on, you're going to, you know, cabanas or wherever. And so I like that aspect of it. Did you find that too with the various ports that you visited on this cruise? I would agree, Brian. You know, we had a, a healthy amount of time at each port where we were able to do sometimes two adventures or then and still have time to walk around the town to get a good taste of what that town is like, which is wonderful when you're only that you went so far to get there to be able to spend some quality time. I think um, Aylson was our shortest day because we had a 7 a.m. arrival with a 2.30 on board. And I think that I believe that was our short, one of our shortest days in port. Yeah, you guys left earlier, probably because of the distance you needed to go to, was it Reykjavik was, was second? That's correct. Yep. And we were hauling that day. That was like our only day where we had a little bit of some rockier seas was going from Ailsen to uh, Iceland. I also found the ports to be very active. And I'm curious, you know, how your kids fared with that, especially your your seven-year-old. Did they Were they able to sort of keep up or did you have to find ways to give lots of breaks? Like, how, how did that work? No, my kids are used to the parks. So I'd probably say the bonus of having children that have grown up going to the domestic parks. They We are a park open to park close kind of people. So they are used to when we get up, we have breakfast and we go, go, go. And obviously we have to stop for snacks. And, you know, when they said at the we took a couple of pit breaks going up the 408 stairs because that's a lot for any individual, let alone a seven-year-old. So we just kind of take the, ki- the cues from the kids. If they're ready to keep going, let's do it. And they always got rewarded with the kids club when they got back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Mickey bars, of course, right? So yes, the, the, the endless ice cream on board and the kids club are probably the two highlights of their trip. <laughs> I love it. I know you take them all the way to Europe and all they can talk about is the damn ice cream. <laughs> and the kids club. We were in the middle of a tour like, mom, we can go back to the kids club. Like, you're in Europe. Look at it. <laughs> How about picking your shore excursions? Were those limited or significantly limited in what you could get up to based on the age of the kids? Were there, I guess maybe we'll put it another way. Were there things that you were hoping to do that you're like, mm, we just can't do that because you know, our kids are too young? Uh, I believe maybe my uh, one when we talked about the international travel, I, I mentioned about the, the kayaking uh, example that Disney had this tour. They actually did the tour right after our group went out. We saw the individuals from the ship with their towel and water bottle, which we did not have. That was the only difference between our tour and their tour is that they got a towel and a water bottle. They had to be, I believe, like 10 or 12 to be able to go kayaking. And my seven-year-old did just fine sitting in the kayak while I was paddling. You probably paid less for the same tour as well. Yes, that is correct. We saved definitely more than what a towel and a water bottle cost. (laughs) 
Well, and that's a, I think that's actually a good tip is that, you know, look, Disney sets these excursions and age limitations based not necessarily on what the tour provider is willing to do, but on what Disney's standards around, you know, safety and guest experience are. And so that I think leads to potentially going out looking for things on your own and finding things on your own. And I actually saw more of that on this cruise in Europe. It seemed like especially the Brits were way more into, I'm just going to go find a tour provider and and do that as opposed to going through Disney, both for cost savings, but I think it also opens up some possibilities to get your younger kids onto excursions that Disney might otherwise say they could do. So. And the message that I got from our Facebook group as well was that a lot of people are disappointed in the offerings through Disney this for this cruise, there wasn't a lot of excursion opportunities or they were very limited numbers. So a lot of us, um, when we talk about Reykjavik, we, I found a private tour that I opened up to our Facebook group and I had two other families join us to be able to make that more economical for all the parties involved. And it was an amazing tour. And we then talking to that, those people that we found for our private tour for Reykjavik, she let me find out about the, the tour that we used for uh, Inverness. So it was kind of like a great community of, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what we're planning. Does anyone want to join us? Or, hey, you, this is a tour company that looks pretty reputable. Does any, you know, please feel free to look into them as well. Well, Ashley, after Olesund, you hit Reykjavik. And so I, I have been dying to get to Iceland. I have heard nothing but amazing things about Iceland. And so what was Reykjavik like? Were you docked kind of in town? Could you walk off the boat and, and you know, get to the sites in the same way that you might with Olesund or further away? And just what was it like and what did you do? Um, since Disney is a premium cruise line, we were a little outside of the town of Reykjavik, but they had free shuttle buses that you could take into the town center. I think it was maybe about a five, 10 minute bus ride into town. And it, since we were overnighting, the buses were running continuously. And we saw a lot of the crew members get off and enjoy the nightlife of Reykjavik. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Tell tell us about the overnight experience, not so much as what you did, but what you were allowed to do as far as getting on and off. Like, could you freely throughout the whole 24 hours or however many hours you were there, could you like get off or come back on in the middle of the night? Yes. And we were actually hoping to do that. There was a Facebook Northern Lights excursion that was going to go if the lights were going to show, but unfortunately they were not. So we had, we heard of tales of people that went out into town, had a lovely supper and then came back in the wee hours in the, in the morning and had no issues getting on or off the ship and that they felt safe that the buses picked them up in the, you know, in the city center and it was well lit, very easy to get around. And they didn't feel like there was any worry about bad things that could have happened. And that wasn't a planned overnight or was it? It sounded, I think we were talking off air. You said it might have been a result of needing to shift some ports around, but was that planned? Unfortunately, it was not planned. Uh, we were supposed to go to Ishfjord. Uh, that's a little bit northern above Reykjavik, but that fjord, the port we summoned was undergoing some construction or maybe Disney was going to birth too late and we lost our spot. So we were able to pick up another night in Reykjavik. So that left us with, we were looking forward to a private excursion. We had an Isfjord and we had to cancel that and kind of scrounge around what to do. And we decided to do a Disney excursion. And unfortunately, that was probably one of our least favorite excursions that we did on our whole trip. And which excursion was it? Um, we did a, it was called a panoramic uh, Reykjavik where it was a bus tour. They kind of drove us around town, which was nice because the day, our first day in Reykjavik, we had an amazing full day adventure of a private tour where I'll go talk about that first before I let talk about the letdown. 
<laughs> we went with the Mountaineers of Iceland as a private tour with two other families from our cruise. And we started off with a super Jeep, which is a just a giant SUV with huge tires that took us way deep into the heart of Iceland. And we had a we saw a Golfus waterfall. And then we went and had a, a snowmobiling adventure on a glacier. Oh my goodness. So we got we got loaded up in all the the gear, the boots, the the masks, everything like that. Had about an hour, hour and a half tour of on the glacier, came down and then had a further tour of different parts of uh, Iceland where we crossed the Teutonic plates. So we were in North America again for a little bit and then we ended our tour of a secret at a secret lagoon which was just a hot spring. And it wasn't very secret. It was kind of busy. (laughs) (laughs) So comparing that to a bus tour is night and day. Yeah. Now, did they provide, did the tour company provide all of the equipment for that? Or did you have to, you know, bring, you know, snow gear? Uh, Nope. They provided everything. They did recommend that we have, you know, some type of like waterproof socks or, you know, some warmer base layers. But other than that, they provided everything that we needed, the helmets, the kind of the body snow suit, gloves, boots, face masks, um, anything to keep us warm. They had that all provided. It was such a lovely tour. I highly recommend if you're in Reykjavik looking up Mountaineers of Iceland. That I'm, I'm keeping, I'm taking notes of, <laughs> of these tours because I, you know, I think that sometimes we're a little hesitant to book something not through Disney, but there are some experiences that Disney just doesn't offer. And this is, this sounds like an amazing one. Yeah. The kids loved every minute of it. I loved every minute of it. It was, it was kind of disappointing because it's like, oh my gosh, this is so early in our cruise. Is everything else going to be a letdown? And spoiler alert, it was not a letdown. The rest of the cruise is still really great. So the second day you guys were in Reykjavik, you ended up doing this Disney excursion. How, well, one, how long were you guys in port that second day? Cause you had overnighted. So it was obviously, I'm guessing you didn't have a full day the second day. Uh, yes, we were there until 1 PM. So I, that was the things that Disney offered on the second day was a blue lagoon tour, which sold out in seconds, um, this panoramic Reykjavik, and then maybe a horseback riding adventure, which I think once again, you had to be 12 years or older to participate. In. So our only options were the sold out Blue Lagoon or this bus tour. There wasn't anything else private that I looked up short and short such short notice that would have allowed that earlier return. So it was just a bus ride around the different neighborhoods of Reykjavik. So it was great that we re- I really felt like we saw all of the southern parts of Iceland. We saw, you know, the mountains, we saw glaciers, we saw the waterfall, and then we saw the town, which was nice. But comparing to snowmobiling, a bus tour just doesn't match up. You left Reykjavik at 1 p.m. From the look of the map, I'm seeing, you know, you're you're headed to, you're going to have to pronounce the name for me because you were there and I can't, I will butcher it. I believe it's Akuri. Akuri, yeah, that seems right. Which appears to be on the other side of the island from Reykjavik. So it's some significant sailing. I'm curious, you know, how was the, the scenery as you're sailing around, I presume, the coast of Iceland that they're staying close enough in that you can kind of see the... The landscape, but but yeah, how was the sailing up to your next port stop? Yeah, you know, since we didn't have that much distance to, to cover, it was a nice smooth sailing and it was lovely to see the mountains and the you could even still see the glacier. We're like, hey kids, that's where we were. <laughs> we were on that glacier just you know yesterday. Um, and then we were unfortunately unable to see the northern lights. We were all hoping to see the northern lights that night um, because of the cloud cover. So that's where maybe the weather got into a little bit of not as perfect. 
as the rest of our trip, but the slow, smooth sailing as well as the the coastal mountains was, a, was so cool. And we were at a mixology class and I remember, and my husband made a comment like, there's a whale. I said, there's a whale. And it interrupted the entire mixology class. Like we were all like, just squirrel, what's over there? Let's take a break. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm sure everybody was happy to, you know, get to see a whale. Yeah, everyone was really of- excited. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would have been sad if you didn't point it out, right? And then and then all of a sudden, you know, people find out later, oh, half the group saw, saw a whale and didn't tell us. <laughs> <laughs> and that night we actually went over the Arctic Circle. So we were able to get a certificate from Disney that said that we are uh, Arctic Circle explorers now. We got so close in Norway, but not not quite close enough. Yeah, not quite uh, close that, enough. I, yeah. I saw someone post that certificate online. I was like, that was really cool that they're. Uh, it's sort of like when you cross the Panama Canal, you usually get something to commemorate the crossing. So yeah, that's uh, that's really cool. So you make it up to Akiri, and what was what was that like? Was it drastically different than Reykjavik, or you know, yeah, what was the town like, and how close were you, and what kinds of things did you get up to? Yeah, so Reykjavik, I would say it felt like at times when we were traveling on the super jeep that you were like on Mars. I think that they even, the driver even mentioned that they do a lot of sci-fi filming locations in Reykjavik because it's very volcanic. There's rocks, it's mountainous, it's kind of barren, especially with like the hot springs and things like that. Um, And then Kiri is gorgeous. It's like, it almost reminded me more of Norway. There's the fjord, it's uh, green, there's tons of beautiful waterfalls. I thought it was one of the most beautiful places that we've ever been to. And the port was about maybe five, 10 minute walk from town center. So we walked that day. And what's the, what are the size of these ports that you're visiting? Like what's the largest and what was the, the smallest? Probably the, the I, I would probably say Invergordon, Scotland was probably the largest that we went to, followed by Reykjavik and then Accuri, Kirkwall, Accuri, Aylesund was probably the smallest. So we had definitely from a small town to a, a good sized city, what Reykjavik is. Yeah, I mean, home to an international airport, so it can't be, it can't be tiny. And what did you, wh- did you book a short excursion through Disney in Accuri or did you do something on your own? Um, we did something on our own and I am so thankful we did. Um, I It was with Kelly Sea Tours. It is a gentleman who during the pandemic, he bought back a sea boat that his father had made built by hand many years ago and he restored it during COVID and he had just started his own whale watching tour. And I'm so thankful that we chose him because I got an email the night before saying, hey, the whales are not in the harbor like they usually are. So we're going to meet at our, our location, but I'm going to drive you 45 minutes to the edge of the fjord where we'll board my boat and have a better chance of seeing the whales. And we saw the people on Disney whale watching excursions leave from the port where we were, and they did not get very many whales that they saw at all. I think they only saw one and we saw a lot more. And it was lovely to have the tour of the the mountain uh, coastal line that we were driving by, had some great views of the ship that we could take some pictures of. And then we had about a three hour whale watching adventure and we saw dolphins, waterfalls and whales. And it was lovely. Speaks again to sort of doing your homework and, you know, ferreting out these other excursions in different places. So um, I'm glad to hear that you're having such a good experience with that. And at any point in your mind, were you like concerned, oh, God, I don't want to miss the ship? Or did you just feel like, no, these tour providers have got it. They know they got to get me back on time. Our tour providers always ask, like, what? 
time do you have to get back? What is the all aboard time? So they made sure that they were going to get us back in time. Um, I think it's one, because they don't want unhappy customers. And two, if word gets out that they are unreliable, then they know they're not going to get booked in the future. Word of mouth is very important for the smaller businesses. Well, we need to take a quick pause in the action to thank our amazing show sponsor over at My Path Unwinding Travel. We have really come to love all of the agents over at My Path Unwinding Travel who you've heard on this show. So many of their agents have been on the show sharing their great experiences with concierge sailing, adventures by Disney, and just unique sailings across the Disney portfolio. And so have really come to rely on their expertise as we think about our own vacations, questions we've had about sailing concierge for the first time, questions about unique itineraries, and they are just so knowledgeable, so friendly, so giving of their time. My Path and Winning has some fabulous Facebook groups out there that you can join around concierge sailing, the Disney Wish, the Disney Treasure, just all kinds of great groups where they answer questions from people who haven't even booked vacations with them. So love, love, love the great experience, expertise, friendliness of My Path Unwinding Travel. So if you are thinking about booking your next Disney Cruise Line vacation, maybe been thinking about taking the leap and upgrading to concierge or have been eyeing some special adventures by Disney trip or really just want to benefit from the knowledge and expertise that a great travel expert can provide, highly recommend heading over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo to book your next fabulous vacation. Use that link so they know the DCL Duo sent you. And with that, back to our episode. How much time did you get in Akiri and did you get to explore the town itself or did the whale watching just sort of wipe the day up? The whale watching took a good chunk of the day. Um, we were there at 8.30 in the morning until 4.45 in the afternoon. But since he had to drive us, we did come back a little later. So we grabbed a late lunch in Iceland. Uh, I was told we are supposed to, We are, our goal for the kids was to eat something that each country is known for. So when we were in Denmark, we had to have a hot dog because I guess Copenhagen is known for some delicious hot dogs and they were good. And then for Iceland, we were told that Iceland has really good ice cream. So we had to walk into town and find some ice cream, even though it was like 60, to maybe maybe 60 degrees. And that's being generous of a day. And it was delicious. It was so creamy. I don't know what they do different, but it was delicious. So what time did you leave Akiri then? Um, it was right around 4.30, 4.45. So it was right around that that first dining time people had to get back by. And we, I always looked to see if there was anybody running and I never saw any runners. Well, then you have kind of, I think, quite the journey to get to Kirkwall, Scotland, which is not even on the mainland. It looks like it's on one of the sort of channel islands uh, off the north tip of Scotland. You know, how was the how was the trip over to Kirkwall and how was Kirkwall itself? And, you know, kind of the same questions, like how close are you into the city when you dock there and what kinds of things did you get up to? It, the nice thing about this itinerary is each time when we would do these longer distances, we'd be going different time zones. So we had a day at sea to kind of adjust to that we gained an hour and then we lost an hour. So that was nice to have that as the day at sea to kind of readjust to the different time changes. And then uh, for Kirkwall, that town was so welcoming. It was amazing that they had, uh, before we even we left the port that night, they had the local um, bagpipers come out and play music for us as we were leaving. So that was so cool to see that, that the town was so excited for us to come back. This is the first time Disney Magic has called in it into Kirkwall for a while. And they're disappointed that they're not going to be back next year because I think there's a lot of Disney fans in those Orkney Islands. Um, once again, Disney had a, a bus that was free to go into town. And it was maybe once again, just a five minute bus ride. And they had the 
local uh, chamber of commerce there that was um, handing out the maps of the town, asking for if we needed help to find directions. I know a lot of people went to some scotch distilleries that day and we had a tour of, this is our double tour day. We had one tour for um, ocean trek tours where we uh, got on a boat and went to the different parts of the different Orkney Islands. And then later that afternoon, we had a Disney excursion of ancient standing stones and dramatic cliffs. Wow. Ancient standing stones and dramatic cliffs. So, I mean, that makes it sound like Stonehenge and the White Cliffs of Dover, but what, what did that actually entail? We went and saw a stone circle, which was really cool to see that they said this one was about the same age as Stonehenge, as well as um, the Old Man of Hoy. We went to the coastline and were able to see, overlook the Old Man of Hoy, which is just a very tall, freestanding rock. I guess it's one of the top free climbs that people like to do in the world. I'm not into that adventure, so... Well, did you get? Did you feel like you got a good chance to experience Kirkwall in the same way that you did the other stops? Uh, yes, we really enjoyed seeing the the, the it from by land and sea. I kind of said we you know we got to go on the water. The driver drove us really close to the ship. He even tried to get the call into the captain and ask if the bridge would play the horns for us because he loved Disney. He was so excited, but unfortunately, his request was denied. Um, he took us to a smaller independent island where they we looked and walked around a old lighthouse and we saw some hairy coo, which are just the highland cows and a very elegant manor house that was on that island. And then for the Disney excursion, we were able to board a bus, drive around and see the stones, have a lovely walk around the stones and then take a break on the coastline to see the water crashing in in the Old Man of Hoy. So it's kind of nice to see the entirety of the islands, to see what a local really is excited about, as well as what a Disney excursion is excited about. Iceland and Scotland strike me as places with some pretty unique cuisine. Did you get a chance to try local cuisine? You said the ice cream in Iceland, but in any anything else you tried in Iceland and Scotland that would have been like local cuisine or delicacy? Because you know, look, I know Disney Cruise Line might have something interesting on their menu, but it probably won't approach what you could find in port. So I'm just I'm curious. Did you get a chance to try anything local? Uh, not too much in Scotland. I was not able to talk anyone to haggis, and I was not quite brave enough to try that myself. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not brave enough to try. It. I bet Brian would try it, but I'm not brave enough to try it. But instead, we were more. We tended to be more towards the sweets. So we got some local chocolates and honeys and things like that instead to try versus outlandish, more culinary experiences. Because once again, with the kids, the most extreme that they got was a toasty and cheese. Well. After Kirkwall, you headed to, was it Invergordon or Inverness? They're close together. Is it is it Invergordon and you could go to Inverness or, or where did you port? Yep, you're correct, uh, Brian. We, we port in Invergordon, but that's a very small town and Inverness is kind of the big city of the area. So a lot of the tours went to Inverness. We had a private tour that day where we went, the tour provider, since our, our restrictions for the cruise times, um, he kind of gave us a what he called an Outlander tour um, from the the book series Outlander because I just when I mentioned to him I said we only have one day in the Highlands I want to see the highlights so he said oh then we should try this Outlander tour and I said I have kids he's like it's okay it's appropriate <laughs> it is an it's a wonderful book series but it can be a little adult it's definitely more than PG thirteen <laughs> it doesn't really necessarily follow the Disney Cruise line of thinking. 
It will not be on Funnel Vision. We get it. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> but um, that, that we were able to be picked up by our uh, tour driver. We went to a lovely pine forest and I, there is a black ravine gorge. Uh, it must have been in a filming location for one of the Harry Potter series. I'm still trying to figure out exactly which movie it's in. I'm rewatching them to figure out where the scene is. <laughs> I could say, hey, I, we've been there, kids. Um, we also, to much of my youngest delight, spent a lot of time in Loch Ness. That's what his goal was for this whole trip. Loch Ness monster. He had to see the Loch <laughs> To see the monster. Yeah. To see the dinosaur. <laughs> yes. And sadly, Nessie did not show that day. They said at the port, uh, Nessie's guaranteed tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> and we went to um, a, a, a town that had an old monastery, which was from the like 1400s. That was so cool to see the cemetery that they had there. There was a thousand year old elm tree that was planted by the Queen of Scots. Um, we went to see Culloden that day and um, take a walk about the fields and really get a great history from our driver who had some family that his ancestors fought in Culloden. And hearing that history firsthand that was told from his that passed along his family was truly wonderful and great history for myself and our children to experience. Well, Ashley, before we move into your sort of onboard experience as we're heading now back to Dover, uh, as Invergordon was your last stop, let me ask, what was your kiddo's favorite port, if you know, and and or favorite shore excursion? Now, this is a really hard one. I've, I keep asking the kids and all, actually all of us who have these discussions, like what was your favorite place we went to and what was the favorite thing we did? Um, we all have different answers and sometimes it depends on the day. My oldest really enjoyed Reykjavik. He enjoyed the snowmobiling the best. He said it wasn't the bus ride was cool because we got to have some hot chocolate and look around a 360 degree view of the city in the shop because it kind of like it was on those rotating restaurants in Reykjavik. So he thought that was pretty amazing. And then my youngest loved Invergordon. He had to see Loch Ness. Yeah, there was a great memory that I have of that where my husband and the boys, he was teaching my our boys how to throw skip stones in like Loch Ness. I mean, that how, how cool is that? You learn to skip stones in Scotland. Yeah. I mean, and you're trying to wake up Nessie and see if she'll come and say hi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And um, uh, my husband, he said he really loved Akira, uh, Kiri with the whale watching. And then I feel like mine probably was Ailsund for our favorite ports. It's really hard to discern that between that there's not very much daylight between each of those different stops. Well, what did you guys get up to while you were on board the ship? I mean, you, you had a couple of sea days. These are pretty full days in port. Uh, it sounds you know similar to what we experienced in Norway, where we would spend most of the day in port and so didn't have a ton of time on those port days on the ship. But you had a couple of sea days. You had probably some afternoons on the ship um, and obviously evenings on the ship. What did you all get up to on the Disney Magic? Everything. My husband says that, that I do not I do not rest or relax. <laughs> If there was an activity, you better bet my my butt is in that seat because I love all the activities that we were able to do. We pretty much did it all. We did trivia. We did origami. We did anyone can cook. We did um, a couple's massage. We listened to music in the lounge. You name it, I probably did it. And I probably begged my family to do it. And they were begrudgingly saying, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Any favorites? Any standouts? Um, I was disappointed this time because, boy, with a lot of with these longer cruises, there's a lot of people who have been on these cruises before. And for trivia, you really had to 
be perfect plus some bonus questions to win. I thought I knew Disney trivia, but I was wrong. I, we always came close by losing by one or we lost in the bonus questions, which was disappointing. But it was also fun to actually have a little competition. Um, my husband and I also really enjoyed doing the animation classes. There was a gal, um, Coops. She was a very talented artist in the, in the activities. So she had us drawing Carl Fredrickson, The Beast. Max Goof and Ray Ray from Princess and the Frog, which when you do these in the at Disney's California Adventure, you usually get the standard Donald and Goofy. So it's really fun to get these more unique characters to draw out. Uh, let me ask, so this would have been your first time experiencing Rapunzel's Royal Table. How did your family find the show experiences there? They've got two. And uh, just curious what you thought about Rapunzel's Royal Table. I really enjoyed Rapunzel's. That was our first time with a, dine, a dinner show altogether, even. Um, so having the performers come out, do their song number, and then go away was really entertaining. And it helped keep the kids entertained because we had second seating. And unfortunately for Rapunzel's, we were a little further back, so they couldn't get up close and personal. They still really enjoyed it. And I thought the food was really good. That sweet bread that came in the little pan was delicious. There, there may or may not be a pan still hiding in my luggage. I'm just putting that out there. There may or may not. Oh, my God. Uh, People use our voicemail line to call in and chastise my wife for taking things off the ship. It's unnecessary. What are we going to do with the pain? I I can't (laughs) confirm or I can't confirm or deny. Okay. Plausible dining. Yeah. Plausible dining. Deniability. That's right. Plausible deniability. Uh, I can confirm it. You have a pan. By the way, they look like they look like they're they look like they're cast iron, but they're actually plastic. We're gonna have a show called, you know, what what di- what whoa, have you whoa, taken whoa. from a Disney? From what have whoa, you taken whoa, whoa. from I a Disney said that And you said no way are we gonna talk about the no, things we've no. taken off the cruise line? No, we have to, we'll have it'll be all anonymous. We won't we won't name names of people. <laughs> it'll be anonymous anonymous call in show of what have you stolen from a Disney cruise line ship? <laughs> I I dropped our laundry off yesterday in a Disney cruise line laundry bag. Although we paid for that, it, it was added to our bill. Uh, and there was a note in the room about you know if you want to take this with you, can here's what it will cost. Yeah, yeah. The Disney, so just for our listeners, if you want the laundry bag the that has embroidered on it Disney cruise line like laundry, you can take it. You too can own oh, one. We, ha- but, we have to uh, augment our set now because the one in concierge has the cross keys on it. So there you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, Ashley, I'm curious if you got to experience any special menus on board the cruise, because on something longer than seven nights, you'll quickly burn through Disney's standard menus, their backup menus, and, uh, you know, the see a real soon menu that they do on the last night. Usually you get a couple nights of, you know, like an international menu or they'll bring out a menu from another sailing or something like that, like a Pacific Rim menu or, or something like that. Did you spot any sort of special menus on the sailing that weren't the regular rotational menus? Yes, um, we had a couple. We had the World of, Worlds of Flavor, not speaking of world, confused with Worlds of Marvel. Um, <laughs> we also had a Pixar menu, which I think that might have been named something about, like you were mentioning, the California in the past, as well as a land and sea menu. Awesome. And you also had the frozen menu as well, right? Yes, that's correct. We also had frozen. I'm curious from the specialty menus you described, any standout favorites from those menus? Because I don't know that we've gotten a chance to experience all of those. 
I feel like we all really enjoyed the Pixar menu quite a bit. That one had um, like a cheesy bacon tartlet. Um, it had a Mexican fire roasted tomato soup, chicken cravalo, and a strawberry shortcake. That's what we, that's what I had that night for dinner. And I can tell you my youngest had a Sunday every day and he would strongly recommend the Sundays with every menu. <laughs> Yeah, they they are they are really good. We have a friend who's uh, similar. He enjoys the Sundays. Yeah, that California, the Pixar menu you're describing does. I think we have had that as a California menu in the past because some of those dishes sound very uh, very familiar to me. Unfortunately for the worlds of flavor menu, that was the night my husband and I had Paulo dinner. And I thought I'd be really, I would still have some space to try the menu, but I actually had to excuse myself early from dinner that night because I was so <laughs> full. That the sight of food was making me ill. <laughs> uh, yeah, Palo Palo can have that effect for sure. Yeah, I, actually, I am curious about the service, both in Palo and in main dining, uh, just from the standpoint that we've heard mixed reviews currently about the quality of the service on board in the dining and uh, even in Palo. And so I'm just curious your own thoughts around service. Well, you know, our only other experience was a three night. So it's really hard to compare the two with three nights. You just don't have enough time to get into a rhythm with your serving team. And I felt like our team this time was amazing. Ace and uh, Bahan were our servers. And they, with being in late dining, that is late times for the kids. Um, Had a big, heavy days at the port or at days at sea. They were at the kids club playing hard the whole time. So by 8.30, they're getting kind of tuckered out. And our service team saw that, hey, you know, the kids are done. Is it okay if we bring them their dessert right away? And then the kids would excuse themselves and go back to the room while my husband and I finished our our mains and our dessert. So they saw what the kids needed, asked us if that was okay to hurry them up a little bit. So then we didn't feel like we were forced to hurry, which I commend Disney for. It was nice to have that end of night with just my husband and I, where then we could go check in on the kids Oh, yep, they're asleep. And we could go into a lounge and listen to some music or some do some other activities. That's amazing, actually, because we've been debating, you know, like at what point would Disney be okay if our son is asleep in the stateroom and we go off and have a drink? Like, yeah, I, I commend you for doing that. Um, well, we gave him an old phone so he could, they could communicate with us over the Wi-Fi. So if they needed us, they were able to get a hold of us quickly since the wave phones are a thing of the past. Yeah, that is that is a bummer that they don't have those still, but um, I understand why. And it's a great way to kind of have them feel kind of grown up. I have more. It's a way to have them be a little bit more responsible and independent, but still have that huge safety net of that you're on a cruise ship. Mom and dad are right here and just an easy couple floors away to get to. Well, Ashley, before I subject you to Sam and Rapid Fire, I want to ask, was there anything you you sure to relay about this cruise that we haven't talked about? I guess we didn't talk about shows. I'm surprised Sam hasn't chastised me for not stopping to do that. But um, anything else from this cruise you wanted to, uh, to relay? No, we just had a fantastic time. Our Facebook group went above and beyond. I mean, besides just the fish extenders, we did not participate in that, but we saw quite a few people who were. Um, We did a 5K that someone organized in the Facebook group and made really nice medals, better than the castaway key ones that you can get. These were real metal medals that we we did for doing the 5K one day. on the, And we also had a private um, open bar one night, happy hour with the, to the Facebook group. Yeah. They, our Facebook group was amazing. Yeah. And I really enjoyed uh, the spa at the, on the sea day that we did. My husband and I did the couple's choice with the villa 
and being able to sit in the hot tub and overlook the ocean, that was a great way to kind of unwind towards the end of our trip. I would recommend if anyone has a special occasion or they just like the spa services to check that service out. I thought it was worth the price. Well, Ashley, I think we've reached that point in the show where I need to hand you over for some arbitrary questions with arbitrary rules from a somewhat arbitrary co-host or what (laughs) we like to call rapid fire. So, Sam, take it away. Why, thank you, Brian, for that lovely introduction, (laughs) making me sound like a tyrant. Um, But Ashley, I know you listen to the show, so I'm not going to give you much explanation except to say welcome to rapid fire. And we are going to do your listen to the show and because she listens to the show she knows you're a tyrant uh she's watched you and (laughs) uh, apply your judgment uh to people and their answers so 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 be kind uh we we kneel to you (laughs) and i'm going to give you our our regular rapid fire because i know you have not done that one yet uh so we're going to start first though with who is your favorite Disney or Pixar character? I would probably have to say Rapunzel. So I really enjoyed seeing the show and the musical was really good as well. Awesome. So this was a perfect, being on the magic was perfect for you then. Yes. And I made our whole family dress up on one of the dinner nights. So my kids were the thugs. I was Rapunzel. My husband was Flynn Rider. That was worth it to take over. (laughs) There you go. See, Brian, not everyone thinks that that's weird. And I'm saying this to Brian because I made him dress up as Olaf on Frozen Night and I was Sven. So, (laughs) and we did actually have to, you know, make room in our suitcases for those costumes. So I love it, Ashley. Good job. So tell me though, uh, what is your favorite Disney or Pixar movie? That one is really difficult because I feel like it changes to whatever I just watched for the kids. I have really, and I really enjoy Aladdin. All right. That's a good one. Okay. Well, what is your favorite Disney song? This one will never change because they're for my children. So I have uh, the Baby Mine from Dumbo for my oldest. And then You'll Be in My Heart, the f- wonderful Phil Collins with for my youngest. All right. So moving on to Disney Cruise Line, what is your favorite rotational dining restaurant? I really enjoyed Lumiere's. It was nice to have that sit down, quiet, kind of more of a upper elegant kind of uh, area to sit in. Um, at, just for overall, you know, animators, I loved on the cl- the classic ship having, you know, Mickey come out and the, the how the dining room changes. But the menus were not my favorite. So probably overall experience, I'd have to say Lumiere's. Interesting. I'm surprised you didn't pick Rapunzel's, but you know, that's okay. It was all because of our placement. I think it really, like since we weren't, we were sitting towards the back of the restaurant, we didn't have that great view. And that really can make, when you have live performers, that can, you know, really hinder a meal. All right. What was your favorite stage show or what is your favorite stage show that you've seen on board a Disney cruise? I really enjoyed Tangled. Um, Mother Gothel, I think it must have been maybe the same actress that you guys had. She did a a wonderful job. She really brought that character to life. And I, I also enjoyed her songs from Ever After performance that she did on her own. Yes, she was a, one of the Broadway visiting artists and she was phenomenal. Absolutely. Loved her. All right. What was your favorite bar space on board? Um, we really enjoyed uh, Keys. There was a piano, a pianist um, named Will who played every evening and did a different array of genres, Disney, 70s, 
um, movies even that we went to him almost every night for a nightcap and listening to his music. It was just a very quiet environment. We did a couple of mixology classes in there. So it's kind of an intimate space, but still had a lot of things to do in that area as well. All right. What was your favorite activity on board? That is hard because we did so many, but I really enjoyed, I'll give two. Um, the one that we did because we just had great luck is we won bingo twice plus a raffle bingo. So we did some good luck. <laughs> it definitely helped with the uh, the beverage cost over the course of 11 nights to win <laughs> twice. <laughs> That's awesome. We have never won bingo on board a ship. So I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> Well, we played plenty. There was definitely a lot of opportunities for bingo over (laughs) the course of the cruise. Did the kids like bingo? Yes, but unfortunately, each time we won, they were in the kids club. So they they were kind of our bad luck (laughs) charms. All right. Well, now you know, don't bring the kids to bingo. That's just going to make you lose. (laughs) My other favorite was as a family, we did the Piston Cup Challenge in the kids club during open house where you have a a bar of soap or a soap that you carve into a race car. And we won. We were the bat two racers and we came on top that day. Oh, my goodness. That's awesome. What a fun family activity. I love that. All right. What was a favorite space other than Keys on the ship? Uh, we really enjoyed the adult quiet cove area, the cove cafe and having those loungers and just overlooking the views of the ocean on our sea days was very serene and peaceful. The first day in the aquadunk was also a lot of fun. So just that pool deck. Speaking of the aquadunk, aqueduct versus aqua aquadunk. There is nothing like the exhilaration of the floor dropping out from under you and going down. (laughs) (laughs) Terrifying. All right. You and Brian could be wrong together on this one. (laughs) It was terrifying for me, but I know a lot of people like it. So it's a fair fair answer. All right. uh, We're getting to the end of my rapid fire, but let's ask what, what was a favorite savory food item on board? My favorite would have to be either the presets or I really enjoyed on the frozen menu that scalloped puff, the scallop puff. That is also on the wish in Arendelle restaurant. So it's part of the regular rotational dining in Arendelle and it is so good. I don't know why they don't bring that as like a regular menu item, you know, on one of the regular menus because you only get it, I think, on the frozen menu or on the wish in Arendelle. What was a favorite sweet item? Uh, one of the anyone can cook demonstrations. I, it must be in a rotational dining. That might have been the night where I was not feeling up for too much dessert. But I really enjoyed the apple strudel, apple strudel that he made for us. It was delicious. All right. My last question. Actually, second to last question. Magic class or dream class? I really have to say the magic class, having that smaller ship where you really got to see some of the same people. You, you made friends with individuals because you kept seeing them at the same activities. And the ease of getting around is wonderful compared to the dream. And it's also I spent a lot more time on the, the classic ship. So it's hard to compare as as well. The dream's great. I would still go on the dream any day, but I, I just preferred the classic ship right now. All right. My last question that I love to ask. Bucket list cruise. You could cruise anywhere in the world on Disney Cruise Line. Doesn't even have to be a place Disney Cruise Line currently sails. Where are you going? I would love to do a British Isles and Norwegian Fjords cruise. Like seeing that little taste of Aelsund 
really makes me want to dive further into Norway and that that region. Well, thank you for playing. Uh, you win. Uh, congratulations. I got a Mickey medal. <laughs> you get a Mickey medal and, and, and a Mickey bar that you can purchase at your own grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ashley, so fun talking to you all about your Iceland adventure, your Iceland and Scotland adventure, I should say. Uh, it continues to pique my interest as a cruising destination because I'd love to go to Iceland sometime. And uh, so just really appreciate you coming on and sharing your family's experience on this cruise. Ashley, I know you're a travel agent, so I wanted to give you a chance to let our listeners know where they can find and connect with you. Well, yeah, thanks, Brian. Um, I'm uh, with Mickey World Travel, so you can find me on Facebook, Ashley P at Mickey World Travel. I look forward to talking to families and helping them have amazing adventures and memories for years to come. It's it's wonderful to have this time with our, our friends, our families, or even with our special loved ones. Well, thank you, Ashley, for coming on and sharing your experiences. We just really, really appreciate it. Well, thanks again. I look forward to talking to you again someday, maybe after my next adventure. Oh, for sure. You're welcome back anytime, Ashley. Well, I hope you enjoyed hearing all about that fabulous 11-night Icelandic cruise. It's one that we've been interested in. And uh, I think the one this year might even stop in France. So we're hoping to have somebody on to hear about this year's cruise as well. But what a fabulous experience. And so glad that we could have Ashley on to talk all about it. Well, with that, I do have another five-star review to read on the air this week coming from Apple Podcasts. We've been a little delinquent in reading these reviews because I've been recovering from a cold the past couple weeks. But got a review this week and it comes from D Trout 6 I think that's Doug Trout, who writes, great source of DCL info. What a podcast. I found the DCL duo after booking our very first cruise in early June and have been listening ever since. What a great source of information for our family as we are first time ever cruisers. To be fair, my wife took one about 20-ish or so years ago, but she says she's a newbie right along with us. The DCL duo shares all their knowledge and experience as well as that of their guests. Speaking of guests, they have travel agents, regular families, and any variation thereof on their show. Such a useful podcast for anyone going on a Disney cruise. For sure, a must-subscribe podcast for any DCL. Cruisers. Well, thank you, D Trout Six, for that review. We really, really do appreciate it. We appreciate all the reviews that come in and uh, just super motivating and keeps us going with the show. We do it for you, our listeners. And as I said on our bonus show this week, we passed a milestone for the show with 200 reviews on Apple Podcasts and a 4.9 rating. And that is not possible without all of you folks leaving reviews after you listen to the show. So if you love the show, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us one of these five star reviews. You can hit the five stars or you can leave us a written review if you leave us a written review we will be sure to read it on the air during our main episode. With that, I do just want to thank each and every one of you out there for listening this week. Please subscribe to the podcast so you keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. If you'd like to find all of our fabulous content, there's one place to head. That's dclduo.com. We have links to our show sponsor. If you'd like to help support the show, you can head directly over to My Path Unwinding Travel to book your next fabulous Disney vacation. Just be sure to let them know the DCL Duo sent you or use our link, mypathunwinding.com slash dclduo. We have links off to our Patreon community. That's a patreon.com slash DCL duo. If you'd also like to join one of our Patreon support tiers, we really do appreciate each and every one of our Patreons for helping to make this show possible each and every week. At our website, you can also find our blog and links to our vlog over on YouTube at youtube.com slash DCL duo. We're putting more and more video content up and doing some live shows. So head over there and check it out. Of course, if you'd like to connect with the DCL duo, you can join our DCL duo vlog and podcast Facebook group to join a conversation with some like-minded DCL duo fans and crew 
cruisers like yourself. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, you can always email us at dclduo at gmail.com. Or you can call our voicemail line at 402-413-5590. That's 402-413-5590. Leave us a message with your questions, comments, feedback, whatever you'd like. As long as it's family friendly, we will play it on the air and respond. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney Family of Theme Parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and no way reflect the views of the Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night.